Good morning. Today's scripture is from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13 of the New Living Translation. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Word of the Lord. Good morning, Southwest. So let me ask you a question. We'll start there. What is the proper way to pray? Maybe another way to put it um, is, could we, you know, another way to consider it is, what is the proper position for us to be in to pray? Um, a few weeks back, as a few of us were setting up this, this area for our morning worship service, one of my colleagues was kneeling down here off to the side of the, the platform, tightening some things up. And seeing him there, I quietly uh, joked to him, uh, well, since you're down there on your knees already, why don't you spend some time praying for our service while you, you keep working? And we both had a good chuckle at the thought and position he found himself in. But it raises an interesting question that most all of us at some time or another have likely asked ourselves, is there a proper position in which we should be in to pray? Ever since that Sunday morning when uh, my colleague was working and I knew I was going to be preaching today, I found myself asking uh, and a question, and the immediate um, question that I encountered had far more to do with not so much a thought on the physical position of prayer, but did God even care about where I found myself or how I presented myself physically in prayer before our Lord? I mean, think about your immediate response when someone says, let's pray. What, what's the natural inclination in your heart and mind? Chances are you close your eyes, you bow your head, and depending on where you're at, you may even fold your hands. There's nothing wrong with that response. Please hear me and hear me well. If you come to our house, Charlene and I, uh, and we're having a meal together. Charlene and I have a practice of holding hands as a couple that started uh, 40 years ago when we got married. Kids grew up, experienced the same thing around our table, and now when they all come home with their, our grandkids, everyone joins in that circle of prayer around the table. And we find ourselves reaching out at times to hold hands when we're at somebody else's home and then we have to answer the inevitable, quiet, maybe not even ask question, what are you guys doing? I, we were at some friends recently um, who are not believers, and, um, and I, we, we sat down and we we're about ready to start eating, and I, I re, Charlene and I reached over to hold hands. And, and then, fortunately, they, I don't know that they saw it, but they, they said, hey, if you'd like to say grace for our meal, that would be great. So prayed for him right then and there. I thought, thank you, Lord. That's good. Charlene, hold on. We're going places here. It usually leads to that unspoken question. Now, throughout the scriptures, 
we encounter men and women praying. And depending on the situation, their physical posture in prayer was unique to the situation they found themselves in. One of the first names that popped into my mind as I prepared for this sermon was uh, a guy by the name of Daniel. In Daniel 6, we're told that the plot of some jealous colleagues of Daniel's got to the king to pass a law that decreed that no one should pray to anyone except to the king for the next 30 days. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, Daniel, knowing the law, this is what we find. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as he always did in his upper room, and with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed that three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to his God. And of course, you know the rest of the story. Um, you know what in came of that, that moment and the lion's den and all the rest. It's interesting that that's one of the few places in Scripture where we find people kneeling to pray. Just a curious thing. Another name that came to my mind was Nehemiah. He was serving as cupbearer to the king. The king realized that Nehemiah had something else on his mind. Not a good thing if you're serving the king his drink. And oh, by the way, what did you put into that cup? Uh, you seem distracted. Uh, what's going on? And the king asked him in Nehemiah chapter 2. And Nehemiah had a split second to pray, we're told. We're told that in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, he prayed literally just that quick, and then told the king what was on his heart and mind. No time to bow his head, close his eyes, say, excuse me, I need to go kneel in the corner. Nothing of that sort. Now, ladies, lest you think that only the guys in the Bible did all the praying. Remember a lady by the name of Hannah. Hannah prays in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 to 12, now, she is seen by the high priest weeping and praying. And Eli, being the, the high priest at the time and a very caring man, thought she was drunk and reprimanded her as such. Remember that account? It's like, really? Eli, you couldn't have asked the more passionate pastoral question, hey, what's going on in your life? Nothing of that. His immediate response was, I can't believe you came in here drunk and expect God to answer and honor your prayer. Hannah, of course, explained her situation and her tears and her desire. And, of course, we have to talk about Jesus in Gethsemane, demonstrating his heart for prayer. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, <clears throat> we find Jesus falling on his face to pray. Father, if, if it is all possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Two significant teachings on prayer we find in Jesus' teachings in Matthew chapter 6. The first was Jesus calling out um, those who love to pray, standing in the synagogues on the street corners so that they could be seen by other people. Instead, Jesus told them to go find that quiet place where they could pray in quiet, knowing God also sees all that is done in secret. Similar to that is what we find in Luke chapter 18, where Jesus tells the parable about the Pharisee who prayed arrogantly, thank you, God, that I'm not like anyone else, not like those other men. 
And Jesus compared that prayer to that of the tax collector who, even, who wouldn't even look up to heaven and cried out to God, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Now all of that is laid out to say that God doesn't care the position in which you find yourself to pray. Anybody here prayed while you're driving a car and your kids tell you from the backseat, Dad, don't close your eyes, right? Does God hear us when we pray when we're driving? Of course he does. Or maybe you're in a situation where, you know, you, you really can't make some kind of physical moment where you can set yourself apart God doesn't care. Just pray. Be the people of God who who know that God wants to hear and commune with you. God doesn't, if you will, doesn't care so much for whether or not we're sitting or standing, our eyes closed or open. There are times we should have our hands raised in praise. Absolutely. And there are times we need to cup our hands over our face as we cry out to God. Ultimately, the posture of prayer isn't a physical situation, an expression, rather, of our heart before the Lord. You look back in Matthew 6 at verses 9 and 13, which Ricardo read for us a moment ago, and we encounter what most of us know as the Lord's Prayer. And in those beautiful words, Jesus taught his disciples to pray with a mindset, a heart tuned to the Lord. And that needs to be our approach as we pray as well. Our prayer time should find us enveloped in an attitude given over to our Father who is in heaven. And that's my hope this morning. That as we look at the words of Scripture, and we look at what Jesus had to teach us about prayer, that indeed we will demonstrate a heart and a mind given over to the Lord. And it all begins with this, a heart given to the Lord in worship. I found it really interesting this morning as uh, we were worshiping and singing the songs, how often I thought, you know, why can't we pray with a voice that we sing our prayer before the Lord? Do you think God would like that? It's not that he wouldn't like it. He does say in Scripture, make a joyful noise. So why don't we, more often, in our own quiet space, lift our voice in praise before the Lord our God, worshiping him for who he is and what he has done. This key reality allows us to remember to whom we are communicating when we pray. We need to be a people who are worshiping and praising our Father who is in heaven. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, put it this way. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone who see that you are considerate in all you do, remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. When we have a mindset that is tuned to God as a holy, almighty God, our loving Father who is in heaven, worship becomes the center of our prayers. We need to be a people who recognize that when we pray, it is all about worship, praising our Father who is in heaven. 
That's a, it ought to be a natural understanding and piece of the puzzle for what is prayer going to look like in my life? I mean, think about it in these terms. If, as Paul put it, we rejoice in the Lord always, whatever we're praying about is put into the hands of our Father in heaven who knows already what we need, what we desire, and what is quite simply at the forefront of our mind. For a moment right now, answer this question as you think about the mindset of prayer and worship. What are you thinking about right now besides what I'm talking about? What are you thinking about? How many of you are maybe looking out the windows and saying, man, that sunshine looks good? In fall, I will agree to disagree with you. I'm glad it's fall. I don't like fall because I know what comes next. Personally, this California boy looks forward to spring. It's a long way away. But what's on your mind right now? Now that I've stirred the pot, even. The total reality is that we find ourselves acknowledging that whatever it is that is capturing our thoughts in the moment, God already knows about it. So rejoice in the fact that our Father who is in heaven already has whatever it is that is, is occupying your mind has already got that thing in hand. Charlene's not able to be with us today because she's doing a market uh, elsewhere. Um, and it's just one of those things that uh, she gets to do from time to time. It's been a long time. And I have found myself praying for her a lot while we've been getting ready for this, me getting up here and talking. And I'm saying, Lord, just whatever appointments you have for her today to visit, bring glory to yourself through those visits. I remember when I stepped away from full-time pastoral ministry seven years ago, I was convinced that God had, had given me the go-ahead to step away, but still I was sweating out what's next. I'd always taught my children, don't ever quit to nothing. If you're going to change jobs, that's one thing. Have the next job lined up before you quit the first one. They had no end of joy at giving me grief about the fact, Dad, I thought you said, because I didn't know at all. The Lord told me at one point, I want you to step away. And I said, Lord, to what? And as the days ticked by, especially the Sundays, those last few Sundays, uh, the Lord had opened a door for me to, to do something. So I had a job lined up, but I found myself saying, Lord, what is it that's next for me? And the Lord and I had some long and interesting conversations about whether or not I was, you know, I figured, well, maybe there's another church that needs a pastor. Maybe it's time God's got something else for me to step up to in ministry in one way, shape, or form. And I remember having long and uh, interesting conversations where I reminded God every Sunday as I drove home, as those Sundays ticked away, you know, Lord, we're down to just a few weeks here. What am I supposed to do? I remember very vividly one stretch of road where I would, I'd laid out to the Lord, Again, because he probably forgot, right? Um, Lord, we're down to two Sundays. The following Sunday, God, we're down to one. 
what's next? And every time I offered that prayer before the Lord, he answered with the simplest of truths. Rejoice in me always. I've got this and I've got you in my hand. And I said, I know God, but. Anybody said that to the Lord? I know God, but. And the Lord has answered prayer, that prayer from seven years ago in ways that I never, never, never would have imagined. We need to have a heart that is tuned to the Lord, our God, who loves us and is watching out for us. Praise him. Worship him. Thank him. He loves you. He knows you. He's got your best at heart and those you are lifting before him, every care and concern. Worship him. Your father in heaven, hallowed be his name. Holy be his name. The next thing our prayers need to reflect is a heart given to the Lord's will. Now, I got to ask you a question again. Have you ever had a child stand up to you with their hands on their hips and tell you, this is what I want and this is when I want it? You ever had a child do that to you? It gets to be almost laughable when we see it or hear it. It also can get downright annoying and frustrating if they refuse to hear us tell them, we understand what you want. We understand what you desire. But the end, in the end, we know what is best. So how do we pray? Is your prayer life a time to invite God to demonstrate his will is what we want? Or more aptly, is his will what is best for us? Jesus in Gethsemane set the example of this aspect of our prayer life. God, if there's any other way, take it away. I, it's interesting. Jesus did not hesitate to tell the Father, you know, God, I got to believe maybe there's another way out of this. But of course, you know how Jesus ended that prayer. But not my way, not my will, but yours. Think for a moment about Jonah's story. Now, God set the table for Jonah. Go warn the people of Nineveh of a coming judgment. Jonah, just like a child, threw his hands on his hips, if you will, and got a ticket out of town because he wanted his will, not God's will. Now, without stealing any of Pastor Ken's thunder for what's coming in October for the series we're going to be hearing on Jonah, Jonah, too, tells us that from inside the fish, Jonah finally got, this, got things right with God. And I've often wondered, I wonder what physical position he was in when he was in the whale having this conversation with the Lord. What we're told is that Jonah prayed to the Lord as God, and God got Jonah on his way to doing God's will, which he hadn't been doing to this point in time. The posture of prayer for Jonah had nothing to do with a physical position. It had everything to do with a heart that once again was able to declare, God, your will be done. Are you seeking the Lord's will through your expression of prayer? But I'm praying that I can find a new job. Been there, done that. And God knows that. 
but I'm praying for a sick family member. God knows, and he knows the plans and path he has set before that loved one. We as a church find ourselves right now saying, God, what is your will for a, a place to worship and call home? Personally, a place we can call home, I hope and pray, permanently. God knows that. But he still invites us to say, God, your will, not ours. Well, you know, because who of us can't come up with a, a thousand different places or positions and say, well, we ought to. What we ought to do is say, God, your will be done. So keep praying about that as a body. Keep praying about that as a family of God here at Southwest. Lord, your will be done. Show us the place that you would have us to worship and serve and share your love with our community. You might say, but I'm praying for the salvation of a friend. God knows and is setting the table for you and possibly others to share that gospel in God's time in a way that will bring them to faith. Whatever is the center of your thoughts, always remember God is already there. God already knows his will and his plan, his purpose. He knows our desires and our thoughts, and he knows the plans and purposes he has for us at every turn. Let us always pray, God, your will be done. Now, we've already touched on this next aspect of our prayer life. Our prayers need to reflect the heart given to God's provisions. I think at times our favorite part of the Lord's Prayer is captured in verse 11, where he says, give us today our daily bread. Maybe the way we tend to think it is, God, give me, give me, give me. We love that, don't we? We love that aspect of the prayer. Oh, good, this is where I get to tell God, God, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want, give me, give me, give me. And you might think right, right about now the, that I've gone absolutely loopy, and the answer is uh, no. We may not be so blatant and so blunt with God to say, give me, give me, give me, but again, reflect on what it is that at times we tend to use the tenor or tone when we pray, Lord, I need this, Lord, I want that, Lord, I graciously and quietly demand whatever I want. <laughs> and that isn't the way we need to pray, of course. No, we tend to be far more subtle in our prayers, but if that is all that God hears when we pray, the, as the one skit said, you know, I've got, what was it, 700 some odd prayers, things, demands. I'm thinking, oh, when, when Jenny sent me the link and said, hey, do you think this would work? And I, and I, I heard that line. I thought, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> we tend to be a people who are not prepared to say all the rest of what prayer is and basically lay it out before the Lord and say, God, I have to have, have to, I want to have, I need we need to realize that God already knows what our desires are before we lay them out to him. Have you ever thought about the reality that God is aware of every need, every thought, every request you're going to make before you even lay it out to him? And doesn't it beg the question at times, then why should I tell him if he already knows? You ever had that thought rumble through your mind? The Lord already knows what I'm going to tell him. 
The Lord already knows what I'm going to ask for. The Lord already knows. But it's interesting, Jesus included in these instructions to the disciples here and in, in, in Luke where this story is repeated, pray for your daily bread. Lay it out before the Lord. Yeah, he knows you need it, but we need to lay it out before him. Why might he have done that? The answer is so that we'll know that he's got us covered from the big things to the everyday things of our lives. You want a constant reminder that God is aware of what your needs are? Then pray, telling God exactly what is required in your world today, what you would like in your world today. And you know what? God already knows. But by telling him and sharing that with him, we're simply saying, God, I realize that this is going to come by your hand. And for that, I give you thanks. Throughout our married life, Charlotte and I could tell you stories about God's provisionary care in our, in our lives. The early days when I was going to school full time and we found ourselves staring at empty shelves and an equally empty bank account while I was in seminary training. Uh, and we, we quietly whispered and said, Lord, <laughs> um, it'd be nice to eat. As you can tell, we never missed too many meals. The next thing we knew, though, There'd be a knock on our door, our apartment door, and Charlene's mom and dad, who lived just an hour away at the time, would drop in with a box of food that a farmer had blessed them with. And they would say, here, we can't use all of this. Do you have need? Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, one of my favorite stories uh, from my daughter and her husband's life was a situation that occurred before they got married, Ryan was living in Calgary. Becky was at home with us in Prince George. And they were looking to put a down payment on an apartment to secure that apartment that they would move into when they got married. The down payment that they believed God wanted them to give to the church, the same amount. And, and, and Ryan found himself having a, a, a conversation with Becky about... But if I give to the Lord what I know that you're telling me I need to give, I won't have anything for the down payment. They had a long and interesting conversation. Becky has shared with us um, about that, a heartfelt conversation about God would provide. And on Sunday morning, as the offering plate went by, Ryan had a decision to make. And Ryan placed the money into... The, the plate as it passed, and, and by his own ex expression saying, all right, God, now what? The following morning, Monday morning, would roll around, and Ryan went to work, and he found, finds himself being called into the boss's office. And the boss hands him an envelope. And the boss said, hey, Sorry about this. We forgot to give you your bonus check recently. Ryan thanked him and walked out and opened up the envelope. And the check inside was for the exact amount he had put in the plate the day before. 
The exact amount. I mean, it's one thing, okay, God gave him a couple extra bucks. No, no, exactly what he had put in the plate the day before to prove to Ryan and to my daughter to affirm in her heart and mind, God is going to look after them and care for them. Are you ready to do the will of the Father and ask for what you require? Big or small, God knows what you need. God knows how he is going to meet that need. The prayers of request are fine. Make sure your heart attitude is one of gratitude and joy, knowing that God is going to meet the needs that you have in your life, and we can praise him and thank him. Again, as Paul put it, rejoicing in the Lord always. The final aspect of our posture during prayer, as Jesus laid it out in the Lord's Prayer, is a heart given to God's spiritual care. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, and we find the principle of spiritual care that God desires to surround us with when we pray. And forgive our, our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Excuse me here. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's interesting that Jesus concluded his teaching on prayer by effectively confirming with those who heard him that God desired to forgive their sin, help them forgive those who had wronged them, equip them to withstand the temptation they had no doubt encounter, and to hold the tempter at bay in their life. There is no doubt that God wants you and I to know and experience the spiritual care that he is willing to lavish upon us if we will but ask. He promises in the scripture that he'll forgive if we but ask. Do you come before the Lord and say, God, forgive me for this? Wondering, I wonder if he actually will. Of course, scriptures tell us if we confess our sin, he is, you know, going to forgive us. So let us make sure that that's a part of our prayer life. He is equally aware that it isn't always easy to forgive those who have wronged us in one way or another. And he, is, he can enable us to forgive if we will but ask for his spiritual care and help in that area. Now, I don't know about you. But one of the lines in, in the Lord's Prayer that I've, I've, I've wondered about is the line that you find there where it says, lead me not into temptation. Why on earth would God want to lead me to trouble? Why would God ever wish to set me up to fail in living a life that would honor him? Now, the answer is rather direct. He doesn't want you to fail spiritually. More directly, he wants us to live a life that is walked in accordance with his call to holiness and righteousness. And I like the way it's worded in the New Living Translation. Don't let me yield to temptation. That makes sense to me. Lord, don't let me yield to temptation. I know it's going to come, but don't let me yield to it. When was the last time you laid out in prayer for your holy heavenly Father who cares deeply about your spiritual walk with him? Lord, don't let me yield to this. 
When was the last time you were driving and came to a red light or a stop sign and wonder, I wonder if that really applies to me? <laughs> Anybody have that thought? You come to a stop sign, a four-way stop, and there's nobody around. And so you kind of just coast up to the line, give it a good looking over, and just go. I'm the only person here? I doubt that. When we come to the stop sign, we know what it means. We know that, uh, you know, it applies to all of us. But how many of us have done a rolling stop? How many times do we find ourselves rolling through something that tempts us to stray from what we know is not what God would have us to choose to do? And so when was the last time we prayed, God, it's right there, and I know I need to come to a full and complete stop in regards to what is there before me. Please, Lord, give me strength. Help me. And we all get to that last phrase, protect us from the evil one. That we understand. Because Satan would just as soon we roll through those stop signs that lead us to temptation. How we need to have our Father in heaven set the table for victory for us when we come to Satan's attempts to derail that walk with Christ. Satan wouldn't mind replacing in our mind's eye the stop signs of temptation with something more like a, a, a forgiving yield sign. We look both ways. We don't see anybody watching. And so we figure, well, it must be okay. I can... <laughs> I can always ask for forgiveness later. Anybody ever done that? Please, no hands. The Lord knows fully what is going on in your mind, in your heart, how we all need to pray that God will firmly and resolutely stop Satan from poisoning our minds to the evil one, Satan himself, who wants us to fall into sin and stray from the Lord. But thanks be to God, he is ready, he is willing to help us if we will readily ask for and receive his spiritual care in that aspect of our life. But we need to be willing to ask. So I ask you again, do you think God cares how we pray in terms of a physical posture? Likely not his primary concern. Does that mean that we shouldn't bow our heads and close our eyes and time to time fold our hands and get on our knees? And the answer is, that is entirely up to you and how you want to come before the Lord. But I will tell you this. We need to come before the Lord with a heart of worship, a heart attitude that indeed acknowledges, it reflects a heart given to worship of the Lord our God a heart given to seeking his will amongst all that life is throwing our way, a heart given to celebrating God's provisionary care in our day-to-day -day happenings, a heart given to God's spiritual care that he desires us to know and experience throughout our lifetime. So I leave you with this simple question this morning. Does God care more about your physical posture when you pray? or your heart attitude when you pray. And my hope this morning 
is that you have been encouraged by Jesus' words to reflect a heart truly given to the Lord your God whenever you come to him, to commune with him, to communicate with him, hearing what he has to say to you, but also sharing what you have to say to him in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are a great and loving Father, and for that we give you thanks. We would ask, Almighty God, that indeed our prayer life would reflect a genuine heart of gratitude, a genuine heart of reflecting upon you, our Father, who is in heaven, so that we might be a people who truly desire to have a close and abiding relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we pray all of this in his name. And all God's people said, Amen.